Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special mom in your life. And what better way than with the Osea's limited edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited edition sets that are perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their advanced eye care duo brightens, awakens, and firms the skin around your eyes, while the golden glow body trio nourishes and smooths the skin all over. Both sets are packaged in giftable boxes. They're so beautiful you can skip the wrapping. And the best part? For a limited time, you can save up to $46 on Osea's sets. Plus, get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. This Mother's Day, get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. Go to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off site-wide. The Volume. The Three and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on? Thursday night football just concluded, and uh, adios to the Green Bay Packers. But first, my friends at TurtleBox, TurtleBoxAudio.com, the best Bluetooth speaker on the market. The battery life is incredible, lasts forever. The noise, you can hear from a mile away. They also do collegiate and pro colors. So if you want to personalize it, you're a Bills fan, you're an LSU fan, you're a 49er fan, TurtleBox has you covered. Here's what you do. Christmas, Hanukkah, all these things right around the corner. You need to get a gift. TurtleBoxAudio.com. Use the promo code John, J-O-H-N. You get $20 off. You get free shipping. TurtleBoxAudio.com. Use the promo code John. Again, family, we all struggle. What we're going to get someone for a gift, a dad, a brother, a brother-in-law, a cousin. TurtleBoxAudio.com. Promo code John. $20 off and free shipping. Okay, I'm... uh. I'm joined. Uh, it, it feels right, you know. The, the Packers <laughs> four, four, four and seven. Colin, I'm here with Colin Coward, and uh, you know, I, I think I sent a text to a buddy tonight, and I said, you know, it looked like the cold got to him. And if you think back to the 49er game, you know, Aaron's shit. I just turned 38. He's older than me, and the cold. The older you get, he's not 28 anymore. He's not 32. He missed a couple throws there that he used to make in his sleep. The one yeah. to Lazard coming across, and you could—he looked cold. He and he just looks, you know, Brady at forty-five looks closer to thirty-five. Aaron at thirty-eight, thirty-nine looks closer to fifty. What, what do you think tonight about the cold with Aaron? 
Well, his uh, I've always thought this with Aaron. His eyes, he's got more wrinkles than I do on my eyes. He's 38. He's got stress wrinkles everywhere. Uh, Aaron, you know, puts himself out there. The COVID, the vaccine stuff, big, strong opinions. And I think it adds stress to him. He, he um, you know, there's a reason one of these teams is seven and three and one is four and seven. One team is more physical. One team has a better coach. One team is better situationally. One team has an identity. Um, I didn't want to blame Aaron tonight. I, I really have I've made this comment multiple times. So Shanahan, McVay, and LaFleur come out from Washington. And Shanahan gets the easiest division and the best quarterback. That's what, or that's what LaFleur gets. LaFleur gets Aaron yeah. and the easiest division. So he yeah. wins a bunch of regular season games. Bears are an S show. Lions are always an S show. And the Vikings, Zimmer and Cousins, really at the yeah. end, struggling. So Maddie puts all these W's up, a lot of fake W's. They have a couple of embarrassing home losses in the playoff. One off a bye. Garoppolo outplays yeah. Aaron in the fourth quarter. Well, last year was an embarrassment to lose that game to a team that yeah. didn't score an offensive touchdown. But even the Tampa loss, they were kind of a mess in the red yeah, zone with play calling. This is with Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, at the time, Devontae Adams, Matt LaFleur. That If you're a defensive coach, right, if Matt Patricia is your OC, okay, I get it, but the strength, Balkhtiari, the strength of your team is kind of offense, and they butcher it, and they butcher last year's fourth quarter. And I've said this about LaFleur. Shanahan's the smartest of those three and has the best offense. McVay's the personality and the culture builder. What's LaFleur? What's their identity? Um, every time I see him at a big game against what I like, like I think Vrabel's a great, not a good, a gr- stud, great coach. Probably a top, honestly, might be a top five coach in the NFL. And I like tonight, they got one receiver they throw to, one back, and two receivers. And that's it. But they know yeah. what they are. I always feel like with the Titans, they're the most resourceful team in the league. I mean, Tannehill's career average is two touchdowns on a pick. He throws a bad ball every game and a couple of beauties. He's kind of a B guy, but he gets, he takes the strength of every player and just squeezes the most out of every unit and player. What is Green Bay's identity? What is it? I mean, I thought they had great corners. How often on third down? Getting smoked. And tonight. they have and they they're off the receivers. Like you got top corners. You're on those guys. Yeah. I think they're a finesse team. I don't think Matt's offenses have an identity. And there's a reason they're four and seven. Well, one thing you would say about Shanahan and Sean is being the offensive coordinator, the head coach for younger guys, and Sean's obviously a little younger than Kyle, is a lot. And it's it's overwhelming. Who you hire matters, right, to run that side of the ball. And and Kyle hired Robert Sala, and then he's transitioned him to uh, D'Amico Ryans. And Sean McVay yes. went from Wade Phillips to Brandon Staley to this year somewhat of a throwaway, but Raheem Morris won a Super Bowl with them. The, the defense has been a problem. The coordinator, you know, right, he inherits Mike Pettin. Now right. he goes with Joe Barry, who's... Let's face it, you know, he used to be at USC. He's just a position coach, probably not a coordinator, and that's killing him. Now, their offense, they finally get Watson to kind of look like Devontae, but it's too late, right? Just it's at a point in time in the season, the five touchdowns and basically three, you know, six and a half quarters, but it doesn't fucking matter. I mean, there's their season's over. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, fifty million dollars, let's face it, is gonna miss the playoffs. That's that's pretty nuts. 
Well, I, I, I compared them today. I said, you ever go to an antique store? So you go to no, an antique store it. with your girlfriend yeah. or your, your wife. And you go into it, and she's she likes antiques. And you and you go in and you're like, oh, that's historic. That's an old piece. Ooh, that is awesome. And then you're like, yeah, but it doesn't really fit anything in our house. Aaron's becoming a little bit of an antique store. Super expensive. At 50 million, where does he fit? He's not really committed in the offseason. He constantly brings up retirement. You bring him on, you have no flexibility with a cap. Um, he doesn't necessarily, I think he's done about as good a job as Aaron can do with young receivers, but this, you reap what you sow. He didn't put in any time in with these guys. So, you know, had he put it off season time in, they probably would have done this about six weeks ago. Yeah. As I predicted about Thanksgiving, they'll be like, oh, they're getting there. And then Romeo Dobbs gets hurt. He, he, Aaron is like, where does he fit? I've never felt he's a perfect fit in Green Bay. Um, but now he's he's like Russell Wilson. He's so expensive. Um, it's hard to trade. And, it's hard know, it's to just, trade. And he keeps yeah. bringing up retirement. He's, he's you know, listen, the guy isn't Tom Brady. He's got a life, right? He's got a life after, outside of football. He doesn't want it. He's going to take like six to eight weeks off in the offseason. Makes him a better human maybe. But he, he's a little antique at this point. Like, I, I just don't know where he fits. And I don't – and I think Green Bay drafted Jordan Love for a reason. They wanted to move off Aaron in two years, and now he stinks, so they're trapped. Yeah, I, you know, speaking of older quarterbacks, uh, especially after Tom looks on the internet and sees his ex-wife is with a Taekwondo instructor, maybe he's inspired. I, I, I thought he was done. Like once the season ended, yeah, I guess you could never discount him. I, I know a lot of right. people feel that this is going to be his last season, but I heard you a couple weeks ago about the Christian McCaffrey thing and mentioned Tom with the 49ers. and that's something yeah. that you know, in Northern California was talked about for a long time, but this Raiders debacle, and now it feels like Derek's in tears, not just because they're losing, but because he kind of knows it's over for him. Mark Davis, Vegas, it's not going well. Bright lights town. You have to, I I know that he wanted Tom Brady before, but he was not going to step on Gruden's toes. Gruden didn't want to mess with him. Josh McDaniels, Tom Brady, Vegas, Frank Sinatra, Elvis, a lot, a lot of all-time right. greats have finished their careers in Vegas. Would you say that's on the table, given the way the thing with Vegas is going? Josh McDaniels, the connection, well, other Patriot guys? Well, I, I think San Francisco won. I think the Raiders are two. Remember, Derek Carr would have a market. Derek, Derek's an 11th, 12th best quarterback in the league. You could you could send him somewhere and get a second-round pick. So then the Raiders, they've got Le- Colton Miller's a left tackle. Um, I don't know if they extend Josh Jacobs, but they'll have Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams. They may move off Waller. They could get something for that. They have edge rushers. Uh, I, I think they need to upgrade at corner. They may go get another running back, uh, another wide receiver. Um, but the pieces are there. This they, yeah. It really is. Um, well, him and Josh know each other, so there's no transition of an offense. They speak the same language, right? Yeah, I mean, I always look at it. Do they have some weapons? Yeah. Left tackle? Yeah. Do they have an offensive coach? Yeah. Do they have edge rushers? Yeah. Tom's not going to take Max in the market. You're going to get extra picks if you move Derek Carr. I think it's a very solid two. Um, yeah, and I, you know. Well, one thing um, with the 49ers is Kyle's offense. He likes his guy to be able to move a little bit on the bootlegs, and that's not, you know, especially at this point in time, Tom's kind of stays with that little three-foot circle. You know, there's not much movement. So I, from a philosophical, and I, you know, I know Tom's way more accomplished than Kyle, but I don't really see Kyle changing. 
right. you know, like his offense is his offense. Where Josh, boom, they just do what they've always done. Vegas, the bright lights. You know, Tom's in a weird phase of his life. Maybe he wants to go there for a little bit of time. I, but uh, you know, I, I just think that that's something to keep an eye. On. Another thing, I know you had on Lincoln today. I'm pretty fascinated by the college quarterbacks. Like I, I thought a couple weeks ago when Bryce, when he lost that game to LSU, it, it's pretty clear to me he's clearly the number one quarterback in this class. Yeah. Now the question is just the size, yeah, right? And he's not very big. But the yeah. number two quarterback, in my opinion, I, I saw you do something on Mahomes, right? NFL teams don't care about win-loss record. You know, they, Will Levis is playing with me at wide receiver. He's not... His, his physical attributes, I, I don't think people realize he's going really high in this draft. So if he's a top 10 potential, once these coaches meet 6'5", he can run, he's got a big arm, he played in the Shanahan offense, I, I think there's a pretty good quarterback draft at the top with Levis, with uh, obviously Bryce, and then some of these other you know extra guys. There's a kid at North Carolina that's interesting, that moves pretty well. Yeah, he's a stud, May. Well, he, to me, him... Next year's quarterback class could be really special because he's a redshirt freshman. So him and Caleb, yeah. I mean, that's because <laughs> I, I if Caleb K, was yeah. in this class, he'd be one. Yeah. So I, May, okay, I thought May was a sophomore. So he is a redshirt freshman. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah. Yeah. I think he and Caleb, boy, they're really. I mean, they just move. They throw. They got moves. it all. <laughs> I, you know, though, it's really it's interesting. Um, you know, Russell Wilson comes in small. He probably got Manziel drafted, Baker drafted, Kyler For drafted. Sure. Well, yeah. now Manziel was a bust. Baker was a semi-bust. Kyler doesn't want to get hit. It's interesting. The small quarterback. Now, Tua um, is kind of like the small quarterback flourishing. Coachable, likable, accurate. But, yeah. you know, it's funny about Bryce Young because Bryce Young was like 192 pounds. That's like, yeah, to tiny. me, 20 pounds too light. I agree. I mean, really, Russell was two twenty five. Kyler was muscled up. Okay, I'm know? I'm six one and a half, one ninety. I am Bryce Young size. I am not an NFL. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not big enough. So, um, I mean, Aaron Rodgers wasn't ideal size, and he's two twenty eight, six two and a half. I mean, so I, I mean, think about that. Aaron Rodgers is thirty pounds heavier. He looks slight on TV. Thirty pounds heavier than Bryce Young. I mean that that is that is like and 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 Aaron looks thin. He doesn't look thick on television. So I'm a Will Le I'm a Will Levis guy. I, I've said this multiple times. He's just not playing with. My, I mean the SEC, the top six teams are NFL factories. Well, I talked to scouting buddies in the area. They say he's not. He's got no NFL skill guys beside a running back, and the offensive line's terrible. So it's like, yeah, he's getting his ass kicked by some of these teams. It yeah. ain't his fault. And he's a high character guy with all these physical attributes. We've seen it recently, right, Josh? Mahomes, you project, and these coaches now, the guys having success are bigger athletes, right? R Russell is an all-time outlier, it, yeah. it turns out, I guess, right? I guess that's my point, is that there was this trend, oh, Russell's small, let's go small. Johnny bust, Russell age quickly, Kyler doesn't want to get hit, Baker bust, and two has been hurt a lot. So it's like, you can say what you want about trends, but Levis is a, he's a, He's a big bag of stuff. Like, man, he, he's got size. And in the end, most of the great quarterbacks in life, you get these outliers and the NFL is a copycat league, right? And it's so, okay, let's, let's go small guy. Kyler Murray no longer wants to get hit. 
it is really obvious. He has no interest getting hit. He just doesn't run. By the way, Russell Wilson stopped running. Now, I do think Jalen Hurts, again, will extend the you can draft a smaller guy. Now, Jalen Hurts is yoked, John. Big, strong. Big, like like yeah. thick. So, um, you know, I'm not, I'll tell you, I'm not a huge Stroud fan. I think he's okay. I remember hearing he was like a three-star quarterback out of high school. And I remember early at Ohio State. I thought LA guy, right? Is he from Southern yeah. California? Yeah. And I thought he lacked confidence. And and I had heard, remember, there was a there was a, a um there was a time when a lot of people thought they were gonna bring in wasn't it the Quinn Ewers guy to Ohio State? Yeah, he did he came. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right. And there yeah. was a th- there was a feeling is Stroud just didn't like it. There, there, there was a lot of people. I, I had heard people in Ohio State's program say um, they thought Stroud just didn't have kind of the alpha and the confidence they wanted. Now he's improved. Ryan Day is a good cat coach. They have terrific weapons, and so Stroud. Fantastic. Is, I mean, they, they're like yes. Alabama a couple yeah. years ago. I mean, he's playing so, with all these guys are NFL starters. So, so CJ has kind of grown into the position. But I can remember early there was a you know I have a couple friends that are really close to Ohio State and they were like doesn't have a ton of confidence. Um, I, I I think Bryce is the great talent, the quick release, the mover. Somebody's going to take him. Will Levis to me, I would take. Um, I, I'm with you. I think I think Caleb Williams if available today. I've been told this by two GMs, they would take him number one. Football season is underway, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just sign up using the promo code COLIN. FanDuel has all your favorite bets from money line to point spreads to player props. You can combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. The app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Get paid your winnings fast. So sign up today with promo code Colin for your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 and over and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bet $5. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 533-42-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP, Louisiana or 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369, New York, Tennessee Redline, 1-800-888-9789, Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700, Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 
Well, you know, they're in your backyard. Obviously, this is a season from hell for the LA Rams. And I, I've always supported them making these moves. They've worked. But sometimes when you trade, like in the offseason, when the Chiefs trade for Miami's pick, it's a it's a it's a set deal, right? You're giving me pick 31 for this player. When you trade the future ones and shit, you know, the train comes off the tracks, that future one, we think it's always going to be 27 or 24, can just turn into four. And that's right now the Rams, I mean, Cooper Cup, who they're built like an NBA team. Who knows when he's coming back? That pick for the Lions, I mean, I'm watching the Lions. Aiden Hutchinson looks good. Jamison Williams not even back. Panay Sewell's pretty good. Uh, They obviously are going to have multiple high picks this year. They they do have a pretty good nucleus moving forward. And that Rams pick, who knows, could vault. I mean, the Rams might not win again. I mean, I'm serious. I mean, the Rams are they're in major trouble. I mean, do you think Sean McVay? Because I know your boys with Schrager. It kind of bothers me a little bit, and I get it. Like I, I've changed professions; that it's just going to be another next couple months. Like, will he go to TV? It's like sometimes coaches have shitty years. It's part of the deal. It's why you make fifteen million dollars. You know, right? Belichick, Andy, Sean Payton—they've all missed the playoffs and had a crappy year. It's part of the profession. You know, is, is he just just going to tap out when it gets tough? Just because he's—it's not like he has kids. He doesn't even have children yet. What else is he doing? Just- yeah, I, I think. Um, you know, I like the a, guy, but the, the, the constant McVeigh to TV just when they have a bad season is just exhausting to me. Well, and I also think it's weird. So he can't beat Shanahan. Like Shanahan owns him, kicks and his so, ass. So twice a year, Shanahan buries McVeigh. Now McVeigh's got the ring. Um, but I think that wears on him that he's not even viewed as the best young coach in his own division. And and I like Sean, but that would wear on me. If, if yeah, it's human. He's a human. I get it. Yeah. So I think, and 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 they don't have an easy solution because they don't have a number one pick. So my thing is, you're going to keep Cooper Cup, you're going to keep Stafford, and you're going to keep Aaron Donald. I I think you have to consider going back into the first round business. I would I would look at. I know it sounds crazy. I would I would think about moving Jalen Ramsey, who's a big risk corner. I think you've seen the best of him. Corners tend to age, John, very quickly in this league. Yeah. Um, I would I would move him if I could get a one, and then I would have a one, two, and three next year. And I would go out and I would get another receiver, um, a cheaper corner. Um, I'd maybe look at another tackle, offensive tackle. Um I, I think I think it's time to make some moves and uh restock the shelves with Stafford, Donald, Cooper. Let everybody else move. Let's get, I mean, the Seahawks did this when they wanted to rebuild John, you know, they made a couple of moves and they got a lot of picks really, really fast. Yeah. And so out of those top three, I'd think of moving Jalen Ramsey. I, I, um, they have a pretty good defensive line, even around Aaron Donald. So I, I wouldn't worry about that. Brian Allen's a good center. The right tackle's great. So I think, remember, they drafted a Wisconsin. Bruss was the kid, the guard. He got hurt in camp, so he'll come. O-line won't be nearly as bad next year. But they, you know, what happens, John, in this league? Allen Robinson acquisition's a mess. Tutu Outlet was a bust. A couple of bad moves at a key unit in like a year or two. They missed back-to-back second-round picks, the Tutu and Cam Akers. That that were their valuable picks in those drafts, and they, they whiffed. Yep, and then Allen Robinson. You. So if if you yeah. if you whiff on two players at key positions, and they did at wide receiver, Tutu Atwell's a bust, and Robinson, you know, I, I had people that told me they're like, 
I don't know if he hasn't even Same. left. And he aged. I, I've had people say that he's always been a little overrated. The name was a little stronger than the actual talent. They were desperate, and they're not. When you go when you go shopping on the free agent market, you know Jerry Rice and Randy Moss usually aren't out there, right? You're you're dealing Christian Kirk and him are the two best options. And what are they? Neither of them are top twenty wide receivers. I mean, Kirk's a better player, but uh, I'm gonna get you out of here on this just because okay. I, I'm fascinated to hear your opinion on a uh, little non football. The SBF situation and the story that's kind of taken the nation. This guy, you know, the the crypto guy in the Bahamas, complete fraud. Uh, your stance on just crypto and, and the uh, and just my dad always had this thing that like whenever something big happens, people always act like it's the biggest thing. Like every you know in the history, of the, like things crazy things always happen. Right. Scammers from Bernie Madoff to Enron. You know, this is. They're always going to be bad actors. That, that's ultimately whether crypto works long term or not. But like this guy is no different than a lot of history of smart borderline psychopaths. Now, it feels crazier because of the cryptocurrency is such a unique, niche, polarizing topic. But like this, this guy easily could have been a Enron CEO or Bernie Madoff type. Right. That, that's my take on it. Well, I've always said I think there'll be a time in our lives where there'll be another form of currency. But there's two or three things that can make um that attract bad people. Um not 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 just bad people, but money, power, okay? Uh so Bitcoin is 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 unregulated currency. So money always has to be regulated just like pharmaceuticals or bad actors will get pharmaceuticals right so you know there, there's a reason there's you know when that pharmacist leaves he locks the area right like <laughs> yeah. there are certain yeah. things that have to be strongly regulated not debatable uh, no matter what side you're yeah. on right if 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 money doesn't have a centralized bank it was literally unregulated currency yeah. Just just say it out loud. So I I was never a Bitcoin guy. I was never an NFT guy. Uh, I read a story not long ago, probably about six months ago, and I thought it was really fascinating. Because my I, I started investing in the stock market in 1989. So my money's in stocks and real estate, um, little bonds, a lot of cash. I'm I'm a real simple guy. So in the volume. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not I'm not a sophisticated investor. I do what I do, but somebody said a lot of this Bitcoin. People were locked inside during COVID. They got government payments, couldn't go to a mall, and they either spent it on Amazon.com or Bitcoin and NFT. Um, you know, people were sitting home, getting checks, yeah. didn't want to work, didn't have to work, and it's like, what are we gonna do? So you were either on Amazon, Amazon stock went through the roof. People were just sitting around buying stuff all day. And then maybe the more entrepreneurial people, a little brighter people, not everybody was a dummy with cryptocurrency, a little brighter people got into Bitcoin. And, um, but it, it's, I just, not that I'm cynical, but there are certain things that make me happy since I was a kid, you know, pets, friends. Sports, working out, reading—like there's just certain basics. There's certain things I like to eat since I was a kid. 
a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, a hamburger, a piece of pizza. Like there's certain basics in life. When it comes to money and cryptocurrency, I, I always ask myself this question. Why did I need it? Like my iPhone, John, I need this. It serves like 12 purposes. Minimum. I know. My credit cards work. My cash works. Why do I need cryptocurrency? It's got to replace something. This replaces my Rolodex, my alarm clock. You know, it, it, it is everything. Why do I need more currency? The, the shit I have works, <laughs> right? So to me, it's just, I, I always go back to just base. I'm a simple guy. I mean, I'm not smart enough to figure these things out. What makes me happy? What do I need? There's about six things I, that make me happy, six or seven things I need. I didn't need NFTs. I didn't need cryptocurrency. Metaverse. I don't need it. I have the universe. I don't need metaverse. What is it replacing? So I, I was just never a buyer of it. Are you a big podcast listener? You know, because um, you get up early, you do a show, or you kind of worn out by I, sports talk by the time you're driving home at one or two? I, no, I'm a I'm a volume podcast listener. So I listen to ours. You know, I I I as I've grown this company and we're gonna, you know, keep making moves as i've i, I want to listen to ours get a feel for this is working this isn't um that's what i'm interested in and uh, by the way i've hired people that i really like so i'm trying to be true to myself like i'm 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 hiring people that i think 21 year old to 48 year old people want to listen to so um but i i you know i mean i think joe rogan strikes a chord with a lot of people but it's a little too conspiratorial for me, like too much conspiracy theory stuff for my personal taste. But there are times he's brought on UFO guys and it's a fascinating 90 minute. Yeah, right. I agree. Um, like I, I, um, Jason Bateman and Will Arnett have one. Uh, I've listened to a couple of times. That's funny. Uh, I, I, um, my wife listens. Uh, I have friends who listen to certain podcasts that have like uh, murder mysteries, true detective stories. That stuff's interesting. But, um, you know, I, I mostly listen to stuff that I just kind of monitor stuff at the volume. You, Jason Timpf, uh, Jenkins and Jones, uh, Richard Sherman, Draymond Green. I want to kind of hear what the company's doing, Renee, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, I'd say things are going pretty well, and a lot of people are tuning in. So that's that's all that matters, correct? And it's and it's great content. You know, people listen. You know, I think in 2022, just you have so many options. People seek you. You know, whoever that is, right? They they have to find you and they have to like you because they can go wherever they want. You know, I was thinking about this today so that, you know, uh, I was on Twitter a little bit tonight. I was watching the game, but I would check it and I knew I, I wanted to post a couple things for this or AMP live. And, you know, there's this Twitter's going down and Musk is burning it, which I don't think is true. But if it happens, it happens. But it's like I, I was sitting there th thinking if Twitter died, um, my takeaway was, is it a terrible thing? I'm not reliant on it. Um, this amp, podcast, digital, uh, Instagram, Twitter is YouTube, Google. <laughs> yeah. Twitter has crossed a line. Um, the vile and the mean spiritedness has kind of crossed a certain threshold. I, I have over the last year, I have people run my social, so I'm not on it much. Like if Twitter goes away, it's like, I'm okay with it. 
Like it's okay. I think the world's. I'll be. Life. I'll be honest, Colin. I'm kind of rooting for it. I, I had my Twitter account hacked last week, so I didn't have access for a week. I saw that. And honestly, I've. You know, you're a more mature individual than me. It honestly makes me angry, and it impacts my mood. And I'm not proud to say that I probably go to it too often. And not even having the access, I found myself happier. I found myself just less reliant on even taking in other people's opinions that when you're, I would never, I don't want those people's opinions. I don't care what they think. Right, right, right. And you you realize like, well, actually monetarily, I'm not dependent. I don't make any money really on it. So it's like, what's its value to me beside the occasional Adam Schefter, Richard Sherman got traded or, you know. Russell Wilson, like besides some of that, and they'll just find a new place. It'll they'll post it on Instagram or whatever. It's not like that is going to go away. Like you said, did it jump the shark of I've always thought it's kind of turned into this radical country club. The entry is free. So a lot of people, the the negativity is just people are drawn there because they know that that's what shines. And it's just like you said, it's a vile place. Elon, no Elon, it doesn't matter. It was vile before he ever got involved. Yeah, there's no barrier to entry. Anytime something's free, you get the free crowd. And that unfortunately it's it's tilted, it's tilted uh the app to me toward if it goes, it goes. I'm fine. Totally agree. Well, Colin, you headed to Utah or anything this weekend? You're just hanging out? No, this weekend I want to watch USC UCLA. Wife gets back in town. Um, no, just gonna you hang out. Uh, you gonna no, go? I'm, gonna, I'm gonna watch it at home with a couple of buddies. I don't want to. I don't like, I will say this, Coliseum to me is easy to get in and out of. The Rose Bowl is a schloid. It's hard. Yeah. It's You Long have to drive away. through Pasadena. You're parking on a golf course. It is hard to get out of. It is. I, I, I don't blame you. Well, enjoy the games this weekend and talk soon. All right, buddy. I've been spending a lot of time thinking about Jeff Saturday, and I, I'm pretty sure that I said last week that I thought it was going to be a very, very difficult transition. Not because he's not a high-level guy. He clearly is. An undrafted free agent to team captain to being Peyton Manning's center for a decade to helping the 2011 CBA negotiations close. He was the leading player advocate that helped close a deal that has been the most prosperous decade-plus run for players in the history of the league. And there's a famous picture, if you type in Jeff Saturday, Robert Kraft, of them hugging and crying in each other's arms. And if you remember at the time, like the Colts and the Patriots are pretty big rivals. Last time I checked, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, used to, <laughs> I mean, no, no love loss between the two franchises. So Jeff Saturday, I, I've, had a, I've had a good time seeing the reaction to the reaction. Listen, a lot of former coaches get very territorial over the profession. Like the majority of guys are John Wooden, Bill Parcells. You know, that that's not the way it is. Joe Torrey. Like, the majority of people that are head coaches in sports are bad and average at best. That's why we have so much turnover. And it's one of those... It's, the other thing is, it's one of those professions now, especially in the NFL, everyone's making money. Position coaches making five, six hundred grand, fully guaranteed. It's a recession-proof industry. Every coordinator in the league, offensive and defensive coordinator, seven figs, Average defensive coordinator makes about two mil. Offensive coordinators, obviously a lot of them are head coaches, but their offensive coordinators all making seven figs. So it's Wall Street on grass. So this notion that like everyone's always getting screwed, like bullshit. People get screwed in life for people making 50K working their ass off. I'm not saying people in the NFL don't work their ass off, but they're highly compensated. So when people get passed up for jobs, like, yeah, you got a $4 million three-year contract. So life could be worse, buddy. And, and more often than not, when you get your shot, you're going to suck. 
That's why we see constantly these coordinators get jobs and they suck. Here's the other thing. I've said that it was going to be very, very difficult and it will continue to be difficult. But he's the interim coach. They didn't just name him the head coach. He's the interim coach on a staff that was abysmal. A lifeless offensive staff. That who in their right mind would have hired anyone on that staff to be their interim coach? I've no. If he had been named the head coach in January and been given a four-year extension, I would understand the outrage. I think a lot of outrage, like most outrage, is fake, right? Especially with something like this. Like I, I understand when random people get head coaching jobs. That's crazy. He's a fucking interim coach. And what did he do? One of the most putrid, embarrassing offenses we've ever seen. He's a former pro bowler, walks into the highest paid offensive line in the league and calls him out. And what happens? They run the ball right down the Raiders' throats. Now he beat the Raiders. Who I hate to break it to you, Raider fans. You're one of the most embarrassing franchises in all of sports for two decades. You know, it's you're kind of a laughing stock. And you're two and seven right now with Josh McDaniels. So it just it hasn't really slowed down. So he beat a terrible team. Now he beat him on the road. This week it gets a lot more difficult, right? He's playing the Eagles off a loss. They're, now, they are missing some guys. They're just signing dudes left and right. And this is why Howie is so good. I mean, they're 8-1, and one, but by their moves, you would act like they got major problems. Obviously, Jordan Davis, their star, star would be strong. Their rookie stud defensive tackle is injured, is on injury reserve with a bad ankle. They got the commanders, ran the ball on them, and kind of shoved them around. What did they do? They signed multiple defensive tackles this week. Like, there is an urgency to Howie. Winning, losing, successful, failure, regardless of what is currently going on, he's always 90 miles an hour. And they will approach this game. It will be very, very difficult. Now, it's in Indy. It feels like they got a little momentum. Uh, but listen, this notion that Jeff Saturday was some crime against humanity, like, give me a fucking break. And, and these coaches, like, th- there's a reason that a lot of the most successful people in the history of these spaces aren't necessarily former NFL players or former NFL coaches. Because like most of us that talk about it, like we'll just talk about it, you know, without a bias. You know, you can just be black and white about these situations. There's no protecting the coaching fraternity or the playing fraternity. Because that's not how fans think. You just simply see something like we were watching Frank coach and it was a joke. Honestly, for me, they were unwatchable. I was not going to turn the Colts on television. They were that putrid. Jeff Saturday comes in, first order of business, lights up the offensive line, lights up their physicality, boom, they run it right down their opponent's throat. Now, can they do it two weeks in a row? Time will tell. Because now the Eagles, you know, they got lucky, right, because the Cowboys lost, so even by losing a game, their margin for error in the division, and I'm sorry, Giants fan, I don't take you seriously. I think you're going to come back to earth. I actually think you're going to lose to the Lions. And I'm a Brian Dayball fan. But I think it's coming to a screeching halt. Then you play the Eagles, then you play the Commanders, then you play the Cowboys. Uh, it's going to get a lot more difficult. But th- this notion that Jeff Saturday, you know, I, I just thought the reaction to it w- was pretty embarrassing. And even I said, like, it was a crazy hire. It's going to be difficult. But like, oh my, this is disgusting. This is a disgrace. Like, give me a break. I, I-, I think you're a complete fraud if you're saying that because I don't believe you believe that deep down in your core for a second. Now, if you wanted to say that he was hired January 1st and was given a five-year contract, I would I would understand it somewhat. But an interim coach, eight games on a terrible team. They were three and five and one, and they were much closer to being a one-win team than they were a six-win team. Let's let's I mean, come on. Let's do better, people. I watched Jalen Hurts 
Uh, the Kelseys have a podcast. I remember last year, my guy Colin Coward asked me, he's like, who would be a good NFL podcast? At the time, Draymond's podcast was, you know, making waves and wanted to get an NFL level podcast on the volume. I'm like, and I didn't know these guys were going to start a podcast. I'm like, I would check in on the Kelsey brothers, big personalities, Hall of Fame guys. I would, now he got Richard Sherman, so I would put Richard Sherman also right in that category. But I, you know, if I was a talent scout for podcasts, Kelsey podcast pretty good. I enjoyed Jason and Travis, but they had Jalen Hurts on. And I just had my takeaway of Jalen. Like, it's it's pretty easy if you just watch that thing for five or ten minutes why this guy's successful. He is a very, very serious cat. And he was sitting right next to two Hall of Famers, and it was just like he completely belonged. And part of the podcast was Jason, was Jalen basically saying, you know, when Jason was thinking about retiring, one thing that I've always felt confident is that Jason always believed in me. He thought I had a chance to be really good, and in turn, our team had a chance to be really good because, you know, he kind of got behind me, and he was the team captain. He was the voice of the team, and that says something to me. And in, you know, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I told a buddy who was a minor league baseball player who now lives in, in Arizona, but he's he's, he's from kind of closer to where I'm from. We've known each other now a couple years, and I was like, you know, we played golf a couple weeks ago, and I said, you need to check out this uh the hard knocks the in-season hard knocks with the cardinals and he just texted me actually today and he's like you know what's crazy he's like kyler would have been better off for baseball not obviously he's been very lucrative in the nfl but like he's not having success anymore in the nfl and part of the problem is like you can go over four and go home and play video games and it just doesn't matter you can go you can go over 25 and just keep playing video games and just laissez-faire and do whatever. Lethargic body language and no one gives a shit. But when you're the quarterback of an NFL team, you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. And the pressure to succeed never goes away, winning or losing. And his personality, which is much you know discussed over the last couple years, of not feeling like he's all in. Like, does he even love the grind of the sport? I do think he likes playing football on Sundays. Does he like everything else that comes with it? Well, in baseball, like, it's it's just a completely different mindset. When I used to work in radio, I would have access to Giants and A's pregame and go for batting practice. And you could just walk on the field in batting practice and just, like, shoot the shit 20 minutes with... Buster Posey is a bad example because he wasn't a big BS guy, but like Hunter Pence or just talk to Matt Cain or Bumgarner and Bumgarner's a bad example, dude, <laughs> not a big BS guy. The A's had a lot of those guys. Donaldson at the time, they, Cespedes was on the team. They, they had really good teams and you could just shoot the shit. Same with the, the opposing teams. The, the, their players just be around. It's just the, the culture of the sport is the polar opposite of football. You go pregame to an NFL game it's serious as a heart attack. Coaches and players. Not saying you can't like spark up a little conversation, but it's not just a BS fest. And in baseball, like you watch Jalen Hurts, you're like, this guy was made to be an NFL player. Now, is he going to be some all-star, pro bowler, Hall of Famer? Got a long way to go. But I, I dare you to watch 15, 20 minutes of that and not come away impressed. And when you see guys that fail, and I don't want to call Kyler Murray a failure, because he is really talented and he's had some success, but it's not going well at, at all. 
and we'll see if he ends up playing on Monday Night Football. He's battling a hamstring injury and I guess a knee injury as well. So they keep going with Colt. Like anytime your backup quarterback comes in and the team has life, that is an indictment on you. It's happened multiple times with Carson Wentz, right? Carson literally got benched for Jalen Hurts. Look what happened with the team the last couple years. Carson Wentz just got basically Wally pipped again by Heineke. And if you watch the commanders, you're like, they have a different vibe to them. And when I replace you with someone else and we get better, that is an indictment on you as a player. Whether it's basketball, baseball, football, whatever. But at quarterback, there is no position in all of sports that has the amount of pressure on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a game day basis. And some guys are built for it. And some guys kind of want it. And you, you see it with Mahomes. You see it with Josh. You see it with a lot of these younger players right now. They're just... They just kind of have it. And it's like, damn, even Herbert. It's like, that guy, the way he carries, Lamar. And Kyler, to me, does not. And Jalen does. And I have, uh, I've done a complete 180. Because if you've listened to me for a while, I did not like him at all coming out. I thought he was a running back. But the one thing I always say about the draft process, which I no longer have, but when you're in it, and I think this is what makes teams really good at drafting, is you're drafting the person as much as you are the player. Now, you have to have the skills, right? Like, the reason T.J. Watt or the Bosa brothers or whatever are good pass rushers are not because they're, like, high-level, they love football and they work out hard. It's like, they do possess physical attributes to bend the edge, strength, uh, speed, explosive characteristics. Like, there, there's a baseline of talent you have to have to excel at any position in the NFL. But then what separates those guys, once you're starting in the NFL, starter in the NFL, is all the intangible stuff and the person how much you like it, how much you like the grind of the sport, working out the mental aspect of it. And I think Jalen passes all those with with flying colors. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Sometimes it's a struggle between buying what you want over buying what you need. But with the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can do both. You earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you can earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets, to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like those new golf clubs you've been eyeing, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a divot repair tool for after you've torn up your lawn. Let's try that again. Earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like workout equipment for your home, and then earn 2% cash rewards on what you need like a foam roller to soothe your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are. With unlimited 2% cash rewards, the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash activecash. Talk about a guy mentally who is struggling right now. Uh, is Russell Wilson. 
And I, I don't know if you saw this story, but reports from uh, a Denver radio show and the guy speaking on the Denver radio show is a former NFL player. I think Tyler Columbus is the guy's name. Might be screwing up his last name, but something like that. Offensive lineman. And he, uh, I saw the clip today on the interweb. He basically mentioned that Russell Wilson is like uh, having some mental breakdowns on the field. And I don't know if it was just his last game or it's been over the last couple games. He's using Seattle audibles on the field. Well, the problem is the Denver Bronco players, the wide receivers, offensive linemen, running backs, don't know what those audibles mean. So basically, he's speaking to someone in Chinese when that person speaks, you know, uh, that, that person speaks French. They have no clue what he's talking about. Russell Wilson is basically mentally cracking. And I've been saying this for a while with Aaron Rodgers. And I thought up until last week, if you look at the Lions game, he lost his confidence. And losing your confidence in any industry, I don't care what you do, is a normal human occurrence. It happens to everybody. You question yourself. You just look in the mirror and go, do I got this? What is going on? That's what happens when you fail. It's normal. It would happen at the highest level to me of any profession. The best in the business, historically in in sports, in business, have questioned themselves. I do not think that is abnormal at all. That, That is a very, very normal thing to happen. But we all handle, I would say, loss of confidence and, uh, you know, insecurities, whatever, a little bit differently. And this isn't insecurities. To me, Russell Wilson just lost his confidence. Some of us, right, get edgy. Like me, when I lose my confidence, I kind of get edgy. I, I get short. And some people just mentally crack, right? They, they just mentally fall apart. And if you look at Russell Wilson, the majority of his professional career, he's only had success. He gets drafted. Now, he didn't get drafted quite where he wanted to get drafted. Comes to a team, immediately wins a starting job. Within a couple of years, he's a Super Bowl champion. The following year, he's in the Super Bowl again. What's his worst moment? Throwing a pick? Yeah, he threw a pick at the end zone. That sucked. It was still in the fucking Super Bowl, right? There's a difference of like, yeah, when he throw a pick? Uh, week three, and then he got benched week four. No, Russell Wilson's lowest moment in his NFL career happened in the Super Bowl. So if your lowest moment is going to happen at the highest moment of the majority of people's careers that never sniffed that moment, things could be worse. So Russell, all he's known is success. Contract extensions, touchdown throws, and winning. All he did in Seattle was win. Last year was the first time in his career where he was under 500. And in his mind, if he was sitting right here, he'd go, well, I got hurt. If I had been healthy, even if we missed the playoffs, we'd still probably go 9-8. and eight. So this is the first time where nothing's working for Russell. People are going, is he washed? And then you watch him, like, he kind of looks not the same. So if he doesn't look the same... They're not having any success on offense, and the team isn't winning. How would he not start to question his own self ability, you know, his own abilities, and lose some of his self confidence? And clearly, for him, that he's losing his self confidence, he's kind of mentally combusting, right? Saying audibles that aren't from that team, so no one else on the team knows what the hell is going on. And the Denver Broncos put all their chips in the middle of the table on this guy. I've said over and over, and I'll keep repeating, I do not blame them for doing that. If I was in the general manager spot, I would have made the trade, and I'm sure I would have signed the contract too. 
But sometimes we do things and then they're just a disaster. I don't blame anyone for putting money in crypto. I continue to put money in crypto. But I understand people that are not involved with it or people are following this SBF FTX story that think all these people are complete morons and deserve to lose all their money. Like I understand both sides. Now, the thing with pro sports is you can make a move and then once you get the guy on your team, you realize we got a problem. Like in stocks, like I can invest in something, lose some money, and I at any single moment, I can choose to sell that stock at a loss, whatever. Like the Broncos cannot cut this player because of that contract, and they basically have to try to win because they've traded away their picks. So they are stuck in the boat with this guy. If they go down like the Titanic, it'll be over the next couple of years, but it will be with Russell Wilson. And there is no way that their general manager, George Payton, is not having some reservations of, if I could have a do-over on that one, I might have taken it. Because two things were not equal. We couldn't trade for Aaron Rodgers, so we went for Russell Wilson. Here's what I do know. If you put Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos, there is no way they are as shitty as they've been. Why? Aaron Rodgers is dramatically better player than Russell Wilson. Always has been. And even this year, it's clear, even though they've had some struggles, he's a, he's a better version of whatever the hell we've seen out of Russ. So now Russ is mentally combusting. Well, here's a lock. You can't fire the players is the old adage, right? Especially guys that get long contracts and guaranteed money. So Nathaniel Hackett will get fired at the end of the season. That's part of the deal. But are people going to want this job? They're stuck with this quarterback. Now they do have good players on the team, but if the quarterback's not good, mentally he's falling apart. And then there's just a question like, ultimately you can rebuild your confidence, right? I've been fired multiple times. I got fired in the NFL. I got fired on radio. And that, I don't care who you are, even if you think you're unjustly fired, and you know, we can make arguments both times, regardless, it will rattle you. I'm seeing reading articles about all these people losing their jobs, these tech employees. If you were having success and you were just a budget cut, I don't care how good you are at your job, it, it, it'll make you question some things. Like I said, human nature. But if he doesn't have the physical attributes, like if his arm's not the same, if he's not as quick, if it turns out he was as much as his success was also he was a product of the success of Pete Carroll in Seattle, who everyone, and I'm guilty of this too, took a complete dump on. Those village idiots. Well, maybe they're not that stupid. Like maybe actually Pete kind of knows what he's doing. It's one thing. I have no problem going like, what the heck? Joe Judge, Freddie Kitchens, Pat Shermer, Jim Tom Sula, but it felt like at times Pete Carroll got discussed in that vein. Like last time I Googled Pete Carroll's resume for multiple decades at the highest level of college football and then in the NFL, he's kicked ass and taken names. Now he's made terrible decisions. That Jamal Adams trade is one of the worst trades in the history of the league. I think I had someone DM me recently, like, isn't it pretty crazy? that Seattle simultaneously made one of the worst trades in NFL histories, two ones and a two and a contract extension for Jamal, and one of the best trades in NFL history, all those players, multiple ones for a shot quarterback. It's like, yeah, it's true. Like you could, like Howie Roseman, one of the best GMs in the league right now, drafted Jalen Rager over Justin uh, Jefferson. You, you make mistakes. It's called being, you know, it's part of life. I, whatever business you're in, whether you're a GM or whether you're a fucking lawnmower, 
I don't care what you do for a living, like you are going to make things that you do things that you regret. But I'll tell you this right now, Seattle can't regret that decision at all. And everyone that crushed them, and I, I probably did too, because I thought there was no way that they could win the deal. Because any team that just gets Russell Wilson in his early 30s is just going to have some success. What I underestimated was he might not be good. And then when he's not good, he might not handle it well. I was just watching some of the press conference of Parks Frazier, the dude that became the OC for Saturday, who was like Frank Reich's right-hand guy. He was like the quarterback coach, kind of hybrid guy. And he was just saying how well Matt Ryan handled everything. From base, from getting benched, his injury, how locked in he was, how he kept helping guys, he coached them up, uh, Sam Ellinger, how much he helped the coaching staff last week. Like He just was the ultimate pro. He was unfazed. And he's like, yeah, I bet Matt Ryan's never been benched in his life. Russell Wilson's never really not had success. You can be like, well, he had to leave NC State. Yeah, it's like he went to Wisconsin, they went to the Rose Bowl. So, I mean, well, really, was it that bad? Like, I'd rather play football at Wisconsin than NC State anyway. So, I, I think that was a pretty easy transition for the guy. And he's not handling this, you know, these bumps in the road very well at all. And I, like I said, I think the scary part is, is I don't think, like, I watch Aaron Rodgers when he threw those touchdowns to Christian Watson. It's like, you see that pass? Like, that, that's, that's vintage Rodgers. That's the back-to-back MVP Rodgers, just throwing dimes the way he's carrying himself. He just needed to get his confidence back. And the way that Rodgers got his confidence back was just their young rookie, who they drafted high in the second round, just came to play. Right? He, he no longer was dropping balls. When the balls hit him in the hands, he caught the football and then let his physical gift of high-end speed take over. And in turn, Rodgers felt like Rodgers again. It doesn't look like they're even close to Russell Wilson feeling like Russell Wilson. And clearly the coach cannot help him. So the Denver Broncos, who we thought were going to be really good, no different than the Raiders. Like I thought both those franchises were going to be, even if one missed the playoffs, like both right around 9-10 wins. And I mean, now are, are, are either a lock for seven? Now they play this week. And as Nathaniel Hackett said, well, someone has to win. And I say, are we sure? Like, Honestly, are we sure? Does this thing have tie game written all over it? Remember last year, we're going into Sunday Night Football and we're like, all the different uh, scenarios. What if they tie? And then they went to overtime. And then like halfway through overtime, you're like, honestly, they might tie this game. And if the Chargers had just tied, they would have gotten in. Instead, they didn't. And uh, now they are might not make the playoffs again. But uh, the, the Russell Wilson thing is just, I think it's one of the more fascinating stories in the league. Here with my main man, Stucky, who um, Kentucky was once a basketball school, then it became a football school. I think it's fair to say it's it's complete basketball school once again. Uh, from Le- Lexington to Kentucky, Stucky, 19-15-1 on the season. What's up, bro? <clears throat> What's going on, bro? Uh- yeah, just grinding away and football, and yeah, we Kentucky loses to Vanderbilt, and their reward is uh, Georgia this weekend. So it'll be a fun uh, weekend, at least for the bars here. I got a bunch of people coming into town, and uh, maybe Georgia will lose like ten fumbles or something. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's on to basketball season in Lexington. 
Kentucky win yesterday in hoops? No, they lost. <laughs> they're not. They're, maybe they're like a baseball school now. They lost in double overtime. <laughs> well, uh, where do you want to start? I, I, let's start with uh, the fighting Jeff Saturdays, who I, I don't know about you, but I, I guess I had just assumed that Sam Ellinger was just going to stay the starter, and then we got a little bit of a curveball in warmups, I was watching Red Zone. They're like, Matt Ryan's on the field warming up as the starter. And then obviously he you know, he's actually played decent, beats the Raiders. Now they're getting the Eagles at home off a loss. A lot of momentum for our boy Saturday. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I kind of like the Colts, but that, that might be an overreaction. And I'm not even just talking with the point spread. It does feel like short week for the Eagles. First time kind of licking their wounds. I mean, you can go fucking 13 and four and have an incredible season. Uh, What do you think about the outright upset and just who who are you taking in this game? Yeah, I think the Colts have a really good chance of winning this game. You mentioned the short week, which I think matters here a lot because the Eagles defense was on the field forever. I think Washington ran 50 plays in the first half, the most in a half at any half this year in the NFL. So their defense has to be gassed on a short week now going on the road. And guess what? The Indianapolis is going to take the same exact approach that Washington did. Jonathan Taylor looked healthy last week. Their offensive line had the best week of their season by far. It's been We talked about that unit last week. And they're just going to pound Jonathan Taylor. And the Eagles' run defense is extremely vulnerable without Jordan Davis, the big man from Georgia inside, with him on the field only allowing 3.9 yards per carry. Without him, 5.1. You saw the Steelers even have success running. You saw Washington just control the ball, keep that Eagles offense on the sidelines the entire game. Not to mention, you know, the Eagles have some other injuries. A.J. Brown rolled up his ankle. I think he's going to play, but we'll see how healthy he is. They lost Dallas Goddard. That's a big loss, especially against the Colts, who play a lot of zone, struggle with tight ends. And he's going uh, on IR, so that's something to monitor just for their offense, just in general. Yeah, they uh, also put Avante Maddox on IR. They're a really good slot corner. So this is a team. It's a good, really good team, the Eagles. But they've you know played a cupcake schedule. They've gotten a lot of breaks. They've been really healthy. Going into last week, they were plus 16 in turnover margin. The next best is the Vikings at plus 8. So they were due to get some bounces and maybe some injuries that they'll have to deal with. But I think the Colts can build on what they did last week. I think they're kind of rallying around Saturday. You got a healthy Jonathan Taylor now, and uh, they're just going to lean on him. I think this is way too many points, especially this year in this in this scoring environment with scoring down totals in games that totals are forty seven or less. Underdogs this year of over a field goal are forty six and nineteen against the spread. So yeah, I think this is way too many points. Well, I mean, the team that beat him on Monday night, I, I think we all knew what was coming. Taylor Heineke will stay the quarterback. I, I thought that stat that they threw up on Monday night, I mean, you know these pretty well. I mean, it, it was news to me that he was 9-9 nine and nine going into that game as a starter when the other starters over that period of time post-Cousins, I think it was like 18-37. and 37. Uh, Obviously, after he wins that game, I mean, they're 10-9. and nine, So, you know, I mean, this is not, you know, the Steelers here. This is a pretty shitty franchise. They, they'll take that all day long. Uh, coming into Houston, who, like, I, I don't know. I mean, Davis Mills, I, I think, is destined to head back to the backup seat next year when they draft a quarterback, but it's kind of a weird team. I mean, they play in just ugly games. They keep it close. Uh, Washington's not exactly the, the 07 Patriots on offense. Uh, who, who do you like here? 
Yeah, if you can get three and a half, I like Houston. It's ugly. You got to hold your nose. But, like, they played better the last two weeks after getting thrashed by Tennessee. You know, last week they outgained the Giants 387 to 367, averaged six and a half yards per play. They just couldn't score in the red zone. They had six red zone trips, one touchdown. But I think what, you know, you're getting Washington also in a bad spot, right? They they beat the Eagles, emotional win. Now on a short week, you go on the road again to play, you know, low Shitty league Houston team. Yeah. So I think because of that Washington result, though, you're getting three and a half instead of arguably what would have been two and a half, two, if the if Washington lost and if Houston won, which they probably should have, if you look at the box score. And, you know, they were playing, they played the Eagles pretty tough too. Um, you know, this Washington team is feisty and I, I think they are better with Heineke, but now you're asking Heineke and this team to win by margin on the road, uh, by more than a field goal. And like I just said, scoring is down across the NFL, getting over a field goal with totals of 47 or less. Like I just said 46 and 19 against the spread this year. So yeah, I think that there's some, it's a good spot for the Texans. And I think you're getting a little additional value right around the biggest key number in NFL betting of three. So if you can get three and a half, uh, I, I like Washington a little bit. I mean, I like the Texans here a little bit. You know, Chase Young coming back. Do you think, let's just hypothetical world, let's say Washington wins this game pretty soundly, you know, double digits. Do you think there's value in them moving forward with that front and with Heineke playing solid as an underdog against, you know, the Cowboys, the Eagles, you know, they play the Niners, I think, on the road. They'll be an underdog. Is there a value in that team moving forward, or is it just still hard to trust them in your mind? Yeah, no, I think with with uh, Young back. The other thing is Houston has a pretty good offensive line. Tunsil's one of the best tackles in the NFL this year, um, which which helps them a little bit here. But, yeah, they I, I do think Washington will be feisty as an underdog. It's different stories. They, they have a enough. great defensive line, you know? Yeah. yeah, which can cause a lot of havoc. Their offensive line is also playing pretty well. Really good offensive line coach there. Um, and yeah, they have some talent on the outside. They have uh, a court, like it's Heineke's like a gunslinger. So you don't really like taking him. He's kind of gives me Winston vibes. Yeah. Because like, and Winston is awesome, has been, was awesome in his career as an underdog, awful as a favor because he'll make some risky throws. He'll kill you with some turnovers sometimes. But yeah, they'll be feisty, especially in the NFC where it's, you look around and it's like, okay, we got the Niners. Um, do you really believe in the Vikings? Like, there's just not a lot of good teams in the NFC. So, yeah, I think Washington will be an intriguing underdog all season. Well, a big uh, divisional rematch coming up in in LA, which probably be like a Kansas City home game. But I think the Chargers look pretty good on Sunday. They they came to play without their two big horses at wide receiver. And, I mean, it sure looks like those two guys are back this week. You know, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, if they would have had those guys healthy against the Niners – the game the Niners played, who knows? I mean, they fucking probably win that game. Now they've they lost another defensive tackle. You know, they they've lost a lot of bodies here. But you know, I think Khalil Mack's playing pretty well. Herbert looks pretty fantastic given who he's been playing with. Uh, you know, the, we've talked a lot about the Chiefs and they beat the Jaguars, I guess, pretty soundly. But for the most part, against better teams, I guess they blew out the 49ers. But uh, th- this game earlier in the season easily could have been a Chargers win. And I think, was it last year, the Chargers beat them on the road? So the Herbert and the Chargers and Brandon Staley have had success, you know, just over the last year and a half against this team, right? So you're getting this amount of points at home. It, it does feel like there's some value on the Chargers. Yeah, I, I, like, I like the Chargers here. I mean, it's massive if they get, and they're both slated to come back. 
with Allen and Williams, I mean, their receivers have just been, I mean, and they're both so key for a number of reasons. Mike Williams stretches the field. Keenan Allen, you know, the Chargers have a really, it's a, I think to their default sometimes, to their own fault sometimes with Lombardi calling plays, it, there's too many short passes. But that's where Keenan Allen in the slant, which is just so important to that offense, his ability in on third downs, short passes is so massive. Um, but yeah, I think that this is way too many points. Uh, you can get, to, there's plus six out there. It was seven earlier in the week when there was uncertainty around these receivers. But if you look early in the year, the Chargers were plus three and a half at Kansas City, and they covered that game, arguably should have won. Mahomes threw, had three picks dropped. Herbert throws a pick six at the one-yard line that got returned. Like, it was, uh, he threw a pick at the end zone when they were about to go in. There was, it was a very unlucky game for the Chargers. And why is it a good matchup for them? The Chargers' run defense is bad. Their pass defense, a lot of talent. You know, you mentioned Mack. Their secondary is still really strong. They have a really good pass defense. Well, the Chiefs, don't really run it, and they've really struggled to run the ball this year. Chargers are down to like fourth and fifth string defensive tackles, too. Doesn't really hurt them in this particular matchup. Chiefs defense is uh, still a little sketchy. It's a bottom 10 defense. Justin Herbert, you know, catching six in at home against the Chiefs. Uh, I'll take that all day, especially with the receivers back. Also, the Chiefs, you know, their statistical profile, a little skewed. They played the Cardinals week one, who had about eight defensive starters out. They played, remember when they played the Niners, the Niners had about six or seven defensive starters out. And lost some guys in the game. Yeah, like they were just crushed. And then, you know, they played the Titans with their backup quarterback. So they've had a pretty fortunate schedule so far. Now, they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. When Mahomes is on, he's tough to stop. But the Chargers have kept up every time they've played. Herbert is four and one against the spread against the Chiefs in his career. Two and three straight up. His losses were by three, three and six in overtime. So he's not been, he hasn't trailed by more than three points at the end of regulation in all five meetings with the Chiefs. And if you're going to fade Mahomes, you do it when he's a favorite of over a field goal where he's 28-31 and one against the spread. If he's a favorite of three or less or an underdog, he's 17-5 and one against the spread. So yeah, I like the Chargers here. This game is massive for their season. And I think they match up pretty well with the Chiefs. They can match score for score here. Eckler should have a big day as well. I'd imagine that. I mean, Brady has a lot more, you know, games. But you know, I would imagine Brady as an underdog over the years was pretty, pretty potent. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's kind of Mahomesy. Uh, <laughs> Brady know? as an underdog or a favorite, uh, a short favorite, um, is about was a historically this year he's he dropped. I think he dropped. Yeah, siphon this year games, out. I, I bet historically, yeah, historically he's gotta be pretty unreal, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, technically, it's. Yeah, I don't know if it's game of the week. It'd be right up there. Uh, it, when it looked like Dallas was going to beat Green Bay and Minnesota had already won, this would have been, you know, for seeding. And and especially with the Eagles losing, this Dallas would have been right there in the mix. But Dallas blowing that game really hurts. You know, it, it really does. Because I, I, I'm a believer. I think the Giants are going to come back to earth. And I, I actually think the Lions could clip them. But then they play Dallas commanders eagles vikings like it wouldn't shock me to see the vikings who or i mean the, the giants who've had an incredible season just miss the playoffs uh but dallas to me is still pretty good minus one and a half on the road almost like is minnesota not getting respect here like how, how many teams at home with that record would be an underdog well what's what am i missing here 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think the market really believes in the Vikings. And by the way, Brady, 37-18-2 against the spread in his career as an underdog or favorite of less than a field goal. Uh, pre- do, you believe, do you believe in the Vikings? No, not really. I mean, if you look at – I think they're a pretty good team, and they have they're, – they're dead average across the board. No matter what you look at, you could look at any power ratings. You could look at their yards per play, their net yards per play, uh, anything. Uh, you could look at their, their estimated wins this year based on win probability at the end of games. Four and a half. That's 17th in the league. I mean, they were getting getting the shit kicked out of them in that game with the Bills driving. And I I don't know where you stand on that going forward on fourth and two, but they had had nothing. Obviously, when he throws the pick, the momentum completely changed. But Cousins has been terrible. They look lifeless. If it wasn't for an 80-yard huge run for Cook, I mean, that's that's a blowout. Yeah, uh, there was a 90. The Bills had a 99.4% postgame win expectancy. The second highest since 2014. That looks at the totality of the game. I think the Vikings recovered like four or five fumbles. They also have some turnover regression coming. I just mentioned they were plus eight, uh, which is the second highest in the NFL. But yeah, across the board, no matter what you look at, offensive profile, defensive profile, Jefferson's obviously tremendous, but they're just an average team. Like they're an average NFL team. Jefferson is really good, but their defense has holes. And yeah, I mean, they've won seven straight all by one possession. And they've been outgained and outplayed in a lot of those games. They're not going to continue to get all of the bounces here. And, you know, it, when I look at this from a matchup perspective, so it's a good spot, number one. Dallas coming off that loss against Green Bay. Minnesota coming off that electric win in one yeah. of the, you know, best games of the year. But, I, you know, when I look at Minnesota, they're allowing the third highest pressure rate in the NFL. Dallas is the second highest pressure rate on defense. Cousins has been really poor under pressure. Their stud left tackle, Darisau, has played unbelievably well. He's in concussion protocol. If he doesn't play, that's really problematic. But I think Dallas can get a lot of pressure here, and they can move the ball. The Vikings just have been getting very fortunate with turnovers, and they're they're on the opposite end of the spectrum of Green Bay. They're dead last in the NFL in drive success rate on defense. So, yeah, I think ultimately – What's going to happen here is Dallas is going to move the ball consistently. They're going to get pressure on Cousins, which is going to kill a few drives, potentially pressure him into a few mistakes. And I think uh, the one possession luck of Minnesota finally runs out. Who would you... Do you think Dallas is still alive for the division? Or do you think Philly, just that's more of a one-off? And even if they do lose three games, Dallas's margin for error is basically zero? Yeah, it's... the, The problem is, I mean... The Eagles have one win. The Cowboys will get the Eagles again. But if you look at the Eagles schedule, um, you're going to have to get some losses there. Now, maybe they lose at the Colts this week, which will help. But they're home against the Packers, home against the Titans. Maybe they're tricky. But then they're, you know, they get the Giants, Bears, Saints, Giants again, and then that game at Dallas. So their schedule is extremely easy. So it's hard to see. A lot of wins. That overtime loss really hurt Dallas, as you said. So they're probably uh, it's probably too much of an uphill climb to get to the division. But they'll be. Dangerous. You know, one thing when you when you look at the stats on Geno, who's had a fantastic season, they're all they are six and four. You know, it's not like they're eight and two, and they've gotten like he couldn't really have played much better. I mean, is there a chance? Because I'm like I said, I'm a believer the Giants regress. Are they a team now? Their schedule isn't crazy hard, but. Are we sure Seattle's a lock to be a 10-win team? 
No, I mean, I think they have flaws. I mean, if you look at who they beat um, and when they went up against good competition, like they got drilled by San Francisco. Tampa Bay was looked lifeless all year. Shoved them really around. in control of that game. Um, so, yeah, if you can if you can shut down their run game, um, their defense has played a lot better. And they have some really good, promising young corners. It's a better team than and I, myself and anyone yeah, I projected. Sure. But they're probably just like a slightly below average team instead of one of the worst in the NFL. Um, but they'll probably, you know, the, the good thing for them is they get the Raiders at, coming up. I mean, they, yeah, but then the division, which was supposed to be um, a lot tougher, is not as tough as it was. But yeah, they get the Raiders at home. They're at the Rams, who like don't have Cup now, and they they, just, they play they play the Rams twice. I mean, so yeah. that's yeah. That's they have the, they have the Panthers, the Raiders at home, the Jets at home, the Rams at home. Uh, yeah, the Rams again, and then they're they're at the Chiefs. So yeah, they potentially could get the ten wins. I think that's their ceiling, but it it would be mostly just. Hey, look, Arizona is not as good. They're they're struggling this year, and the Rams are just a shell of themselves and now don't have cup and are just going nowhere fast. So it's probably more of an indictment of, yeah, they're improved a little bit, but their division and the NFC as a whole and their schedule is uh, extremely favorable. So, um, yeah, but I, I don't think that they're like a, a profile as a 10-win team if you play this season over again 100 times. So probably – you know, around maybe an eight eight win team. Well, Stucky, uh, good luck this weekend. Let's let's win some cash. Absolutely, good luck, brother. volume Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere like at your pregame barbecue while you prep your meats that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch garage and the car inside and without the right home and auto insurance coverage the cost to repair this could eat up your savings so bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.